The scripture readings are taken, the first one from Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Second reading is from Habakkuk 3. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The third reading is from Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, early Thanksgiving. We're talking this morning about gratitude in honor of Thanksgiving. One of the most important virtues, also one of the, the most overlooked and underrated, especially given its importance, Cicero, the great Roman orator and statesman, said gratitude is not only the greatest of the virtues, but the parent of all the others. And This has actually been backed up in recent years by a bunch of scientific research. Gratitude is actually one of the the hot topics in psychological research Um, the last few years. It used to be, you know, we just focused on negative things. That's what we researched. And now people are saying, why don't we research positive stuff? So it's been this really hot, fruitful area of of research. Um, There's been three different gratitude indices that have been developed, the GQ6, the Appreciation Scale, and the GRAT, the GRAT. And um, I just want to read you a list of some of the scientific findings over the last few years as as people have really gotten into this. The the, uh, researchers have found that the people who score high on these gratitude tests are happier, less depressed, less stressed, more satisfied with their lives, more satisfied with their relationships, have higher levels of control over their environments, personal growth, purpose in life, self-acceptance, have more positive ways of coping with the difficulties they experience in life, are more likely to seek support from other people, have less negative coping strategies, less likely to try to avoid problems, grateful people sleep better, they think less negative thoughts going to sleep, Gratitude has been said to have one of the strongest links with mental health of any character trait. Two recent studies have suggested that gratitude may have a unique relationship with well-being, can explain aspects of well-being that other personality traits cannot. So, pretty impressive, big deal. Gratitude, important to well-being, important to being happy and well-adjusted. Cicero said that a long time ago. They're proving it now. That's for everybody, no matter what you believe. For Christians, for somebody who is a believer in God, has a relationship with God, there's an added element of importance. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that gratitude is, quote, the basic Christian attitude. It's kind of the essence of what it means to be a Christian. 
the basic Christian attitude. And that's because all through the New Testament, you read it over and over again, are these admonitions to be grateful, be thankful, give thanks, do such and such with thanksgiving, do such and such with a thankful heart. Over and over and over again, the authors of Scripture are using this kind of language. Jonathan Edwards was this uh, pastor and theologian in colonial Massachusetts. And one of his life works was to, to study how can we tell if a person has God in their life? How can we tell if somebody has a relationship with God? What, what's going to kind of display this in an outward way versus somebody that's kind of just a, a religious phony? And one of the things he said is it's gratitude. It's gratitude. Gratitude is one of the main markers if somebody has God's presence in their life. So it makes a big difference, a lot of benefits, no matter who you are. It's commanded for Christians. It's been observed as this really central part of Christian experience. What I want to do with the time we have this morning is answer a few questions about gratitude. Look at what the Bible says about gratitude. And answer, answer three questions in particular. First, how do you get it? Second, how do you keep it? How do you hold on to it? And third and finally, how do you multiply it? How do you get it to begin with? How do you keep it? And how do you multiply it? How do you make it expand and abound? Before we get into it, let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the chance to be here today. We're grateful for all the gifts you've given us. We so often don't pause to say so. And God, as we look this morning at the subject of gratitude, at the way that you want to make gratitude abound in our lives, I ask that you give us wisdom, that you speak to our hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. First, how do you get it? How do you get Gratitude to begin with. The easiest way of figuring out how you get it is, to, well, first we have to say what it is, define it. And the, the best way to do that is probably to dig into the word itself. So gratitude, what is it? We know it has to do with saying thank you. We know it has to do with some sort of positive feeling. But what does it really mean? The word gratitude comes from the Latin word gratus, which wouldn't be that interesting except for the fact that gratus gives us another English word, not just gratitude, but also gives us the word grace. Gratitude and grace come from the same word. They don't just coincidentally start with the same three letters. They're, they're basically the same thing. And this is kind of hidden a little bit in English, but when you say thank you, we get thank you from the German, not the Latin, so it's, it's hard to see the connection. When you say thank you, all you're saying is acknowledging that you've received grace. So this is a lot clearer like in Spanish or Italian. You say gracias or grazie. I've received grace, so I say grace. In French, Mercy, mercy. I've received mercy, so I say mercy. And this, the only place you can still see this in English is this idea of saying grace before a meal. I say grace because I've received grace. Gratitude and grace are the same thing. They're not just closely related. They're, they're inextricably tied together. It's just the same thing coming and going. Grace and gratitude. You say thank you. You say grace. You are grateful when you've received grace. You're just acknowledging it. You're just naming it. You're just putting a word to it. And grace is receiving something that you didn't deserve. It's living a life that you didn't deserve. And if you've, if you've experienced that on any level, then you will be grateful. It's like a law. You can't keep from being grateful if you've received something that you haven't deserved. There's this episode in the Gospels where Jesus is having dinner at the home of a religious leader in town. And um, in that day, it was customary to, to wash somebody's feet. When you had a guest that would come over, you know, dirt road, sandals, so you'd wash the person's feet. And for whatever reason, this guy, the, the religious leader, the host guy, didn't wash Jesus' feet that particular day, which, which wouldn't have been a big deal or even noticed except for what happens next. So this 
prostitute comes in, and she uh, apparently had some sort of interaction with Jesus before. She had a, a bottle of perfume she was going to anoint Jesus with as a display of gratitude. But she walks in and she sees, she notices that his feet haven't been washed and she's already kind of overcome with emotion, so she's, she's crying, and she, she stoops down and kneels over him, and her, her tears start falling on his feet, and then she starts wiping his feet with her hair. And then after that, she pours the, the perfume on. So everybody's feeling really awkward and uncomfortable, and the, the religious leader host guy mutters to himself, like, this, you know, this is really inappropriate. And Jesus says to him, well, okay, not only is it not inappropriate, but what do you expect? This is just how things work. This is a law of the universe. What do you expect? She's been given a lot. She's received a lot of grace. She's been forgiven a great amount. She's going to be grateful. She's going to pour out gratitude in response. It's just how things work. Versus you, by the way, who just kind of expect me to come to dinner at your house, who feel entitled to my company, and so I don't even bother to wash my feet. If you look on your insert in your program, the first verse there, this is from this chapter we've just been talking about. He says to the host, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. It's a law. It's a natural law. If you've received a lot of grace, you're going to be really grateful. If you haven't received a lot of grace, you're not. And what Jesus is often saying is everybody's received a lot of grace, but just not everybody realizes it. It's easier for some people to see than others based on kind of their station in life. So he talks about this a lot in this next passage you see from Luke 18. He tells a story making the same point. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, high station, the other a tax collector, low station. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed. God, I thank you. This is ironic that he's, it's in the form of thanks. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Subtext, I deserve to be praying to you right now, God. I deserve your company. I deserve everything you've given me. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, guess, guess which of the two guys has a real relationship with God? Guess which of the two guys is close to God? The guy who feels that he's received something that he doesn't deserve. And then in response, in response to that grace, he names it. He says, that is grace, and he feels grateful in response. To uh, take a somewhat more contemporary example of this phenomenon, contemporary and less theological um, those of you who are baseball fans remember 1995, there was a strike, uh, lockout. The players didn't, didn't play that season. So instead of canceling the season, the owners decided we're going to just go out and get whoever to field the team, and we'll go ahead and, and open the season on time. So, I mean, they literally got whoever. Like, there are guys that are coaching Little League one day and are in the big leagues the next. And, it, you know, everybody from them to they even let Michael Jordan play. You know, he, he joined the, a baseball team. So I want to read you one writer's description of this season. He says, the games weren't fancy, mind you. One manager said his pitcher threw the ball so slowly, the radar gun couldn't clock him. <laughs> but oh, did these guys have fun. 
They arrived before the park was open, oiling their glove, cleaning their cleats. They thanked the attendants for washing their uniforms. They thanked the caterers for the food. They thanked the fans for paying a dollar to come and watch them. These guys didn't see themselves as a blessing to baseball, but baseball was a blessing to them. In that short season, the Phillies gave away free hot dogs and sodas, and in the trade of the year, the Cleveland Indians gave five players to the Cincinnati Reds absolutely free. (laughs) So what made this intriguing? What made it magical? Simple. These were all guys who were living a life they didn't deserve, and they were chosen not because they were good, but just because they were willing, and they knew it. There was not jockeying for position. There was no second-guessing the management, no strikes, no walkouts, no lockouts. These guys didn't even have names on the back of their jerseys, but they were thrilled to just be on the team. It's gratitude because it's grace. They knew they didn't deserve to be there, and so they felt grace, or they felt gratitude in response to the grace they'd received. Jesus says the opposite of that is entitlement. The opposite of that is thinking, I've earned it. I've had it coming to me. And if if that's your attitude, you can just discount gratitude from the get-go. The precondition of being grateful, of being a grateful person, is believing that you receive something that you don't deserve. And we all have. That's the whole point of the New Testament. The New Testament is talking about gratitude so much because it's talking about grace so much. We all have received something we don't deserve. We've been allowed into this relationship with God even though we're so imperfect. We've been allowed to have God's Spirit living within us, changing us, even though we once turned our back on God. God has a plan for us. God is taking us somewhere. God is preparing a home for us. We have all received so many things we don't deserve. Gratitude is opening up your eyes and acknowledging that and realizing it. So that's how you get it. That's the precondition of being a grateful person, realizing you've received grace, realizing you've received things you don't deserve. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is once you've got some gratitude, some level at least, how do you keep it? How do you cultivate it? How do you keep it from from disappearing? And in this second section, I want you to think of of gratitude like like something that you store up in a tank or a bucket. Um, you've got this gratitude reserve, and you're trying to keep it kind of at the, the same level. Two ways to do that. One is you need to plug all the leaks in the tank, and then the other is you've got to learn to top off from time to time, you know, just the natural kind of drying up. So you've got to plug all the leaks. You've got to top off. We've got three ways to do each of those, so that's kind of a lot. I'm going to run through these somewhat quickly. I just want to mention them. You're going to know the ones that apply more to you. So three ways to plug leaks in your gratitude tank and three ways to top off. If you look on your program, we're actually going to do the leaks first, so uh, turn to the back of the insert. The first major gratitude leak is immediate circumstances. You know that you've received things that you don't deserve. You know that, that you've, you're living this life you don't deserve, but right now, things aren't good. In the, in the present, there's things that are going on that aren't the best, and so you focus on that instead of focusing on what you have to be grateful for. And Scripture acknowledges that this is an issue, a problem. If you look under number one there from 1 Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there's this this command to be thankful even when things aren't good, and you see the same thing from Habakkuk 3. Gary read this earlier. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, so a recession, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So the first enemy of gratitude, the first leak, is when things are bad in immediate circumstances, which they will be. You have bad years. Everybody has bad days, bad weeks, bad years. You can make gratitude drain from your life if you don't 
turn your eyes from that and focus on God and what it is you have to be grateful for. Again, moving quickly, but the second gratitude leak is these evil twins of hurry and worry. Hurry and worry are major gratitude leaks. If you look on your program from Psalm 46 under number two there, be still and know that I am God. There's a certain stillness that's required if you're going to be grateful because you have to pause long enough to realize it. From Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but make your requests to God with thanksgiving. So the second one is not so much that things are bad, but just that you're hurrying so much, trying so hard that you don't even realize that things are good, or you're just worried so much that, well, things aren't bad right now, but they might be bad. They might be bad someday. They might get bad, and you're so consumed with that thought that gratitude drains out of your life. So first, immediate circumstances, things can be bad. Second, hurry and worry. And then the third major gratitude leak, and I want to spend a little bit longer on this one, is envy. The third leak is envy. And envy is, okay, so if gratitude is, I've received things that I don't deserve. God's given me stuff that I don't deserve. Envy is when you see somebody else and you say, hey, wait a minute. That person just got something they don't deserve. Now, the irony of this is, well, you got something you didn't deserve too. But all of a sudden, when you start looking at somebody else and what they got that they didn't deserve, all of a sudden, you don't care about what you've received. All you can think about is how unjust it is, how unfair it is that God gave to that person or somehow they got something that they didn't deserve. The, the truth is they probably didn't deserve it. I, I'm, you don't want to deny that. They probably didn't deserve whatever this good thing is that they got. But do you deserve what you have? Well, yeah, I worked for it. Well, who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the ability to work for what you have? This Envy is a major gratitude leak in focusing on the other person. Jesus talks about this in a couple of different instances. One that's really familiar, the story about the two sons, a bad son and a good son. The bad son takes all his inheritance and goes and squanders it. The good son stays home faithfully. The bad son comes home. The dad is so happy to see the bad son because he thought he would never see him again that he throws him this huge party. And the good son is, is livid. If you see on your program there, it says the older brother, this is under number three, the older brother, the good son, became angry and refused to go into the party because he's so angry that, that his younger brother got something that his younger brother didn't deserve, that it took his eye off the fact that he's received all sorts of things that he didn't deserve either. I'm not saying that it's not easier for some people to see than others. It's easier for the younger brother than the older brother, but they both are living a life of grace. The other story that Jesus tells uh, about this same problem of envy that's a little bit less well-known is uh, this, this parable about a, a field owner, a vineyard owner, who goes and to hire day laborers to work in his vineyard. So he goes really early in the morning, and he picks a few guys. And at first, the guys that get picked are just really grateful because they got picked, they're going to get to work that day, and all the other guys are left behind. So he says, I'm going to pay you X amount for the day, and they're thrilled when they go to work. So the, the landowner then, throughout the day, starts, keeps going back to the marketplace where the day laborers are hanging out. And he keeps hiring more guys, not so much because he needs the extra work, but just because he knows those guys need work. And so he's kind of hiring them just because out of, out of the generosity of his heart. And he, in the last batch of guys he, he hires, he hires a, like, 
5 o'clock, like an hour before quitting time. So then he, he gathers everybody up to pay him, and he pays them all the exact same thing, the wage that he agreed to pay the first group of guys. And the first group of guys are, are really, really upset. They said, this is not fair. We worked all day. He says, what's not fair about it? Did, did, were you grateful? When I picked you to work this morning, over all the other guys, were you grateful? Well, yeah. Did you agree to work for this amount? Well, yeah, we agreed to work for, for that amount. Did I pay you what I agreed to pay you? Yeah, you paid us. So I don't see anything not fair here. It seems like you're just upset about what I gave these other guys. It seems like all you care about is what I gave to these other people, which has nothing to do with you. Then he closes by saying, this is on your program, the second verse under number three. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? It's the kind of God that God is. It's the kind of God that gives to people things they don't deserve and Sometimes, some people are going to be even less deserving than others. He's going to give to them anyway. If that bothers you, you're going to have a hard time being grateful. If you hear those stories and you're kind of like, I kind of know why they were upset about that. (laughs) There's a problem. There's a problem. That's the kind of God God is. And those guys weren't thinking, well, you know, I'm happy to be working. They weren't thinking anymore like they had been at the beginning. You know, I'm grateful to have been picked for the team, to have the opportunity to work and to put food on the table. They were feeling that way, but then it leaked out. It drained out of their life because they, they've shifted their focus from that over to what God had given somebody else. Envy is a major gratitude leak. So there's three leaks of, of several. First, immediate circumstances. Second, hurry and worry. Third, envy. If you flip back over to the front of your insert, I want to take a couple minutes to talk about three ways of topping off your gratitude tank. That's the leaks you've got to plug what are three ways to, to top it off to kind of make sure it stays at a high level? The first, letter A, is to sing. You see in Ephesians 5, Paul says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And then in Psalms 147, and this is said all throughout the songs, Sing out your thanks to Him. Sing praises to our God. Human beings were made to sing. You're created to sing. This is why people sing in the shower, um, sing in the car. They live in the suburbs. Not a lot of people sing on the subway, but some do. You hear people sing on the subway. Human beings were made to sing. And if you, if, you don't, if you don't turn that toward God, if you don't sing about the things you're grateful for, if you stop up your voice, um, and that's what, how, kind of the, how you should see it, not as like I can be silent or I can sing, but you have to sing, and you could take this active step if you want and stop up your voice. If you do that, gratitude will start to dry up in your life. That's the way that God has given us to express our gratitude and to top off our gratitude is to sing. That's why we spend so much time each week singing on Sunday morning. For some of you, this is the only time you sing all week. You have to sing to make gratitude continue to increase in your life. The second way of, of topping off your gratitude th- uh, tank is to, to make a list. Letter B is to make a list. And the Psalms do this as well a lot. This is an example from Psalm 136. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles, who made the heavens so skillfully, who placed the earth among the waters, who made the heavenly lights. And that song goes on for a long ways that I didn't include, just a list of all these things that God does, all these things to be thankful for, reasons to give thanks to him. In the research I mentioned at the beginning this morning, the new research that's coming out about gratitude, they have these different exercises that they have people do. 
one of the things that they've had folks do that has had the, the greatest effect on increased happiness over, over a long period of time, they saw it keep going up up to six months later, was having people start these gratitude journals where they just write down the things they're thankful for. And they had them do it for the study, and then they went back, and everybody that was doing it for the study was still doing it, you know, however long later, because it just worked so well. Making a list, naming these things that you are grateful for, but that otherwise you might forget about. Um, I want to read you some of the antonyms for gratitude. Some of these are, are kind of obvious, like ungrateful, thank, thankless, that's just kind of definitional, or demanding, you know, that's that spirit of entitlement. But listen to these other antonyms for the word gratitude in your th- thesaurus. Forgetful, heedless, careless, thoughtless. If you're forgetful, you're ungrateful. If you forget the grace you've received, it's the same thing as being entitled or being ungrateful because you've forgotten what God has given you. So make a list. I encourage you to do that this week. Make a list or start one of these gratitude journals, thanking God for the things he's given you. I'm going to share with you next week some of, some of the things on my list. You can do little things, but big things are, are probably, you know, I mean, I don't know, whichever works for you. I, I found this week um, this best-selling author started this blog called the Encyclopedia of Gratitude, where he just lists a different thing he's, he's grateful for every day. So he has um, all-you-can-eat, <laughs> Novocaine, hammocks, farmer's markets, diapers, think about it, Stevie Wonder, the thermos, waterfalls, quesadillas, firefighters, hot shower after camping. Now, those are all good things to be grateful for, but there's also obviously some some big stuff too, you know, the stuff we were mentioning earlier that the, the Bible keeps talking about. So I'll share with you my list uh, next week. I want to share with you th- this week Reese, uh, Reese's list. She, she did this thing at a, a class she goes to this week. What are you thankful for? This is Reese. Uh, three things, peanut butter, food, and daddy. So I thought, I, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, pretty, pretty nice, pretty, pretty cool. That's a good teacher. Um, I like that peanut butter and food are two different categories. Just, so that's the second thing. The second way of topping off, make a list. And then a third way of topping off, letter C there, is to tell others. Share what God has given you. Talk about the good things God has done with you, for you, with other people. Share from uh, Isaiah 12. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the world about his wondrous love and how mighty he is. And you all know that. When you share something that increases your own gratitude, when you tell somebody else about how grateful you are, that makes you that much grateful yourself. So those are three. This is keeping gratitude once you've got it. Three ways to keep your gratitude tank full. Three ways to, to plug the leaks and then three other ways to, to top off. So that's how you get it. That's how you keep it. And the third thing I want to talk about with the rest of the, the the time we have left this morning is not just how you get it and not just how you keep it, but how do you make gratitude multiply in your life? And this is probably the most important of the three subjects. You've got, you've got gratitude on some level. you figured out how to keep it. But how do you not just keep it? How do you not just keep your tank full? But how do you make gratitude kind of overflow? There's a verse in Colossians, let your, your lives overflow with thanksgiving for what He's done for you. How do you make your tank overflow? How do you get a bigger and bigger tank? Not just keep it full, but make it multiply, make it expand, make it grow. And the answer to that 
is that the end game of gratitude, the end game of all this, if you do all this, if you, if you plug the leaks, if you, if you keep your tank full, if you focus on these things, the end game of gratitude is always generosity. It always expresses itself ultimately in generosity and giving. Um, the word generous means of noble birth. So that, that's where the word comes from. And the idea was kind of like, this person giving all this away, they had to learn how to do that from somewhere. You know, they're, they're from a good family line of noble birth. They've been taught to give because they come from a noble family. If you look on back to the back of your insert again, this is under Roman numeral 3 now at the bottom, the, actually the very last verse. Paul says in Romans 8, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. That's why people of faith, that's why Christians should be the most generous because they're of the most noble birth. Their father is the most generous. Their father is a giver. Their father is like this. And so as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, they want to be generous in the same way. They want to be of noble birth. They want to be like God. And that's eventually what will happen. If you let gratitude well up in your life, eventually what will happen is you start to not just say, God, thank you, God, thank you for everything you've given me. God, thank you for all these gifts. But you start to kind of take it one step further and and say, you know, I kind of want to be like that too. The way God has given me so much, the way God has given me so much so freely, I want to be like that. I want to be like God in that sense. I want to imitate him. I want to bless the world. I want to give to people even if they don't deserve it. I want to pour out of what I have to those around me, to those who need it. And if you do that, if you start to imitate God in generosity, if you start to live up to the family name and be generous in this way, what happens is you get caught up in this cycle, this game, with this giving game with God where blessing just keeps abounding and multiplying in your life. So the way it works is you say, God, I want to be like you. I want to give like you give. I want to be a giver. And I'm going to give like this. You pour out. And then God looks at that and says, oh, really? Oh, really? You think you can be like me? You think you can be a giver like me? You think you can be generous like me? That's so interesting. Let me show you this. And then pours out to you in response. And he always pours out more. He always one-ups you. Always. You can't out-give God. There's this story that recent I read about a little bunny and a daddy bunny and the um, little bunny says, you know, he's going to sleep and he says to the daddy bunny, Dad, I, I love you this much, you know, and sticks his arms out. And then the, the daddy bunny says, oh, really, that's interesting because I love you this much and sticks his arms out. And the little bunny is like, well, I love, he stands up on his hands and I love you up to my toes. And then the dad picks him up by his arms and swings him up in the air and says, I love you up to your toes now. And the little bunny says, well, I love you as high as I can jump. And the dad says, well, I love you as high as I can jump. And, you know, the little bunny's like, wow, I wish I could jump that high. Um, that's, that's how it is with God and giving. You say, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour out this much. I'm going to give this much. And God says, oh, really? Well, this is how much I can give to you. You think you're generous? You think you can be generous? This is how generous I can be. You get caught up in this game. And God loves to play this game. He delights in this game. We think of God as this impersonal force. He's not. He's a person. He has things he likes. He has things he doesn't like. He has things that bring him a lot of joy. And this game brings him a lot of joy. 
with the, the father and the child in the story, you know, who likes the game more, the, the kid or the dad? The kid likes the game. The kid enjoys the game. But as a father, I can tell you, the, the dad enjoys the game even more. The dad takes more delight in the game because he loves seeing his child trying to emulate him, and he loves winning. He loves his greater capacity. He loves that he has bigger arms. He loves that he has a bigger heart. He loves that he can do more. He relishes his greater capacity, and he relishes his child trying to emulate it. And that's how God is. That's how God is with this generosity thing. When your gratitude wells up and you are generous in response, God says, oh, really? And he, he delights in playing this game and getting into this competition with you, and he pours out in response. And he, he encourages us. You see in Malachi 3, under Roman numeral 3, there, the first verse. This is the only time, by the way, that God says, test me. Test me, and he's just, he's just said to his people, bring your offerings. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. Test me in this. So when you give, you're daring God. When you give, you're getting into this game, and you're saying, God, I dare you. Can you give like this? And he always gives more. He always gives more in response to the generosity you display, which is the end game, the ultimate goal of gratitude, being like God, being a generous giver like God is. So that's how you get gratitude. It's grace that comes in, realizing you live a life you don't deserve. That's how you keep it, stopping up the leaks and topping off. But most importantly, that's how you multiply it. That's how you make gratitude not just grow, but multiply, expand, abound in your life by getting into this giving game with God. That's what we're doing this morning. I know a lot of you have have prayed this week and have decided about our amount to give for this special Thanksgiving offering we do every year. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing as individuals. That's what we're doing as a church, saying, God, I dare you. God, you know, we want to play this game with you. We want to give. God, we want to be like you and seeing what he does in response. When you pour out, he pours more back in so that it overflows. So I want to pray now, and I'm going to just pray a few things in line with today's message, the parts that apply to you. You can pray along with me. Let's pray. God, first, you know that I struggle with believing that I deserve what I've earned. You know that I look down on other people who I think are free riders and have been given a lot that they didn't earn. You know, you know what a problem this is for me, God. I pray that you would break my heart. I pray that you would show me that even though I've worked hard, that doesn't mean that everything I have isn't from you because it is. God, help me to see that I'm living a life that I don't deserve. And God, second, I pray that you would help me to be conscious and intentional and alert about keeping my gratitude reserves high. I ask that you would help me to to plug up these leaks of focusing too much on my immediate circumstances or of envying what somebody else has been given. I pray that you would help me to learn to, to top off the gratitude in my life by singing to you. I pray, God, that you would, you would help me as I try to focus on the things you've given me, as I make lists, as I look to you and ask you to, to show me what, what is it that you've given me. I, God, I, I pray that you'd open my eyes and, and give me wisdom there. And God, finally, I am attracted to this idea of getting into a giving game with you. I'm attracted to the idea of being a generous person. I'm attracted to the idea of living up to my family name and of giving like you give. I pray that you give me the courage to do it. I pray that you would prod me and nudge me just enough 
so that I would get into the game so that I could start experiencing this cycle of pouring out and then receiving back more in return. It's in Jesus' name I pray.